All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want to invite you to the live podcast segment that we're doing here at San Diego Startup Week. 2023. 2023. <laughs> Man. We're over here in Carlsbad, the Arts Village. Yes. Uh, everybody is outside. We're looking out at many, many booths, many, many founders, and they are all excited to be here. Yes. Just like we just like us. This, we're all excited to be here, and we're, we're excited to just share the stories and learn the different journeys of different entrepreneurs, what they've created, and support like we always do. Like yes, we do and we have an incredible lineup of founders today. Yes, tell them about the lineup. Tell we them about the lineup. We got the future Mrs. Fields in the house. The future Mrs. Fields. And if y'all don't know who we talk about, we talk about Maya's Cookies. Maya's Cookies. She has a background in personal training. I'll trust any personal trainer with my sweet tooth at midnight. Well, yeah. For sure. Yeah, me too. Sometimes that sweet tooth gets me in trouble, though. <laughs> We had to lock it away. Um, and then we also have other founders in other categories. We have On Fam. He's the founder of Earth Fan Surf Co. He's yep. saving the seas. He's taking the land to the sea, saving everybody from pollution one boogie board at a time. And as these founders come up and we start to interview them and ask them questions, we set up a mic so that we could do Q&A and you could, you, could start, you could start your own live podcast right now, right here, just by asking them questions and uh, anything that we may have missed in their journey. But before we get started, let's, I think we, sh we probably should introduce ourselves. Oh, Who yeah. are we? Who are we? You're right. We're getting too, too much, too far. <laughs> My name is Riley Jennings. I'm the host of Baddies mean business to all the baddies out there doing incredible things i'm here to share the stories and i'm here with my partner in crime mr terrell simmons here from the podcast rise urban nation and if you want to learn more about both of our podcasts you'll see outside that door and right here there's some qr codes where you can scan and connect with us follow us on whatever your favorite social media platform is, but Rise Urban Nation is all about amplifying social innovation in the black community. So I, I interview everybody from artists, directors, nonprofit leaders, social innovators, entrepreneurs, because what I found in my career, I used to do a lot of workforce development work and I would go around and use federal and state dollars to put these wonderful programs together for whether it be interns, students, entrepreneurs, but something that I saw in our young folks, especially our young folks of colors, color is they can't be what they can't see. So I need to highlight all of you who are doing amazing things in your perspective spaces so that more folks can see and, and strive to be and create social innovative ideas and problems and solve those problems, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're just conduits of other people's stories. And so we're honored to be able to share them right here. So before we get started with our interviews, we'd just like to give a huge shout out to our partners and sponsors for this Do live it. podcast, Startup San Diego. They have been incredible in making this entire live podcast. Y'all clap it up possible. for Startup San Diego! <laughs> Let's clap it up for the amazing volunteers that volunteer their time to make this happen. Give it a round of applause for the volunteers. 
We have been able to pull off an incredible feat today. There is five days, five different locations. Um, there's one day in Mexico. One day in Mexico? Is that true? There's a day in Mexico? Anyways, thank you to Startup San Diego for making this entire thing possible. Just the last week and a half, they were able to accomplish so much with us and bringing founders to our stage, their stage, everybody's stage. Yes. And then also Village Up for always inspiring us to continue these stories and doing these live podcasts for the community and sharing the resources available to you yeah i must selfishly say i love village up because not only am i a board member we also have somebody else who's a board member of village up here uh miss kim she's she's over there talking but she can't hear me because i can't shout her name out right now wave your hand wave your hand wave your hand kim (laughs) (laughs) maisha everybody's maisha is in the house too (laughs) we might bring her up on stage too uh if she's not too shy at some point we'll see we'll see if we get her over here but Big shout out to Village Up and all the people that's involved with Village Up, helping us to represent underserved founders and bring those resources, collective resources together to help build on entrepreneurship in the San Diego community. So beautiful. And then last but not least, Greg and Tony over here in the background. They're making it. Give it up to our engineers. Look good. They make and us a photography look good. person, a videographer. <laughs> He's behind the camera over there, but all right, let's get going. Let's have our very first founder interview, Maya Madsen. Come on up. Come, grab Come on up, Maya. She looks good. She looks poised. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Take a seat. I love those glasses, by the way. I love your glasses, well, by the way. You. Nine five. I don't know if you know nine five over in Barrio Logan, but they they got some good glasses. Well, I'm about to get to know nine five. All right, I, I'm not sponsored by nine five, but I will gladly be if nine five. If you're watching this, I would love for sponsorship. <laughs> Please tag them in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maya Madsen, she's a future Mrs. Fields. She creates gourmet vegan cookies that you can enjoy based here in San Diego. She has an incredible background. She's scrappy. She's ambitious. She is a, she has an incredible way of working with the community to make her efforts thrive. But don't hear it from me. Let's hear it from Maya. So Maya, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Perfect. Go ahead. Well, let, we, let's kick things off by... Give us your founder story. How did how did this? Where did you come <laughs> up with this idea for vegan cookies and this brainchild? Where did it start? Did it start in your mama's basement somewhere? Tell tell the people who may <laughs> not know a little bit about you and how this venture started. Absolutely. So I spent the last thirty years of my life as a personal trainer. I also spent the last twenty to fifteen years of my life as a vegan. So I like to say I was your worst nightmare—a vegan personal trainer. <laughs> And I eat clean and healthy, but on my cheat day, I wanted a plant-based dessert. And back in the day, there weren't any delicious Mrs. Fields-style cookies, so I had to create my own. So I took a traditional recipe, veganized it, and I used that to show my clients that you can practice plant-based and still have treats. That's how it started. I was sharing them with friends and family, showing them that, yes, vegan tastes delicious, and fast forward to 2015 two of my three sons were in college at the same time and i was faced with daunting bills so i started baking the cookies and selling them to friends and family as a side hustle once i was up to about 20 dozen a week i said i think these cookies might have some merit 20 dozen a week in my home oh, yeah, kitchen they have some merit. right so i entered the del mar fair 
and I won first and second place. I entered two recipes, and I, that gave me the confidence to turn it into business. So once I figured out that I might have a viable business, I started to do R&D. I went around and figured out that farmer's markets were the easiest point of entry for me. I took out a high-interest $3,000 credit card and maxed Ooh, that sucker out to right purchase there. my tents, my banners, the permits, everything I needed, and I launched at the local farmer's markets. And that was in 2015. I slowly was growing year over year. I worked the markets, I baked the cookies, I was doing everything myself, and one of my sons would help me when he was home from school. And that's kind of the origin story. That's the beginnings, the roots of Maya's Cookies. There's more to that, but oh, that's, sure that's the root. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you been, uh, Maya's Cookies started in 2015, and as I, what I know about you, you're scrappy, and you get in there, and you, if there's an issue, you find a way. And so I would just love to learn about those moments throughout your journey that you're just like, I had to figure something out, and what was going through your mind in those moments as well. Every step of the way was a scrappy moment. Number one, taking a traditional recipe using animal proteins, changing them to plant-based proteins and getting the same result, if not better. So that was the first thing I had to figure out. I didn't know if there were scientists or people that you can figure help you figure that out, but I didn't have the money for it, so I figured it out on my own. Then I had to scale that recipe up over 100 times to produce the same outcome, if not better. So that was another scrappy moment. I was searching the internet to see if there's someone that could help me do that. And yes, there are people that do that, but they cost a lot of money. So I decided to be Wait, scrappy. did you take out another credit card to get those no, people? No, 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 no. I stayed within that limit. I stayed within the limit. And I, so that was one example of being scrappy. I don't come from a food and bev industry. I was a personal trainer. I'm a home cook. And I just, I decided I'm also a woman in STEM because baking is chemistry and <laughs> vegan is. baking is. is AP chemistry. And I like to say, if you put a dollar sign in front of the number, I turn into Einstein. So figuring out my financials, you know, turns out that, you know, I'm good at math or sort of good at math. So yeah, that was the first example of being scrappy. Also, I couldn't afford employees. So I'm a put your big girl pants on and figure it out and get shit done kind of gal. So I would personal train in the morning after all of my classes were done around noon, I would go to my commercial kitchen, produce and bake. Then I would go to the farmer's market and work the farmer's market from three to seven. So that taught me production. It taught me time management, and it also it taught me R&D and customer service. So that's another example of being scrappy. I was doing all of that my own. I also had a job at night working at Pottery Barn. What? Two Love nights a week, and that, I'm telling you, I'm scrappy. And what that taught me was merchandising, and that turned out to be extremely important for my product and our farmer's market venture and our stores, to be honest with you. So that's another example of just being scrappy. I no longer work at Pottery Barn two nights a week. I no longer <laughs> personal train. I am 100% founder and CEO of Maya's Cookies because in 2020, our business exploded 6X overnight. So that's a different story. Y'all clap uh, it up for that. That's, that's incredible right there. <laughs> you know, I'm inspired by this for multiple reasons because I remember we did a, a woman's founder panel not too long ago and we were talking about stats you know ever since Black Lives Matter came into play all these uh, institutions um, and VCs are talking about we want to fund more minority business or we want to fund more women businesses right 
And one stat I found very interesting is that I think it's out of all of the, the VCs that funded women's businesses uh, the past year, there was only like 3%, something of that, in that nature. And I'm like, man, we only got 3% and you trying? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think, in your own personal opinion, so that VCs need to start looking at when they, or what do they need to change to really encompass more women founders and invest in more women founders so that you don't have to be so strappy all the time? That is a layered question. <laughs> so I'm going to start with the first layer. Number one, you have to go out and find those founders. They, you need to go into those communities where there are the founders and find them. Because as a black woman, I don't know, I didn't know anything about the VC world until about four years ago, right? I didn't even know this world existed. And I'm sure that some of you that are part of this community find that shocking but it's the truth and it's my lived experience. I come from the hood. There's no VCs that I ever knew of. I had never even seen a CFO, a CEO. I didn't even know what a COO was. I didn't see those things. So number one, I think the VCs, it would be extremely helpful if you do the gritty work and go out and find us. We're out there. We just don't know where you are. So that's number one. Number two, I'm in a category that I've noticed VCs aren't particularly um, it, I don't want to use the word excited, but in love with, and that's CPG, because there's a lot of cost involved, and it's very closely dependent on the consumer. And I think that being a CPG brand is also risky, but I also have noticed that many of my black fellow black founders were in CPG, because that's what we know. We know how to create product. We know how to bring our culture to the masses with innovative food and beverage offerings and things. So that's where we are mostly in. Traditionally, and I didn't go to college, but from what I'm understanding, there's just not a lot of A, or there didn't used to be back in my day, I'm 54, women in STEM, black women in STEM, black women founders, all those things that you don't see that, or I didn't see that. So it's multi-layered, but we're out there. So maybe we're not, you know, the top 20% of the category of the population in the VC world that's creating tech or whatever. But what I've seen in my lived experience is we know how to bring our culture to the masses in the form of CPG products. That's an easier point of entry. So I would love for the VCs out there to open up their hearts and their wallets and, <laughs> yeah, and take a risk. VCs, if you're out here, open yeah, up your hearts and your wallets. out there and get behind us because I'm, I'm gritty as a mofo. And people look at me and they're shocked to find that out because I am a mother of three. You know, I'm, I'm what you, I'm the carpool mom. But I will take my earrings off and fight somebody if I need to. I will roll my sleeves up and make those cookies. I was just washing dishes an hour before I got here. I will roll my sleeves up and help my team in any way, shape, or form. And that's what I have found in my fellow black female founders. We are multitaskers. We are smart. We are driven. We know how to do lots of things that is, we have superpowers that America, I think, is just now finding out about. We've known it, but I think uh, Black Girl Magic is something that more founders yes, are discovering. Black Girl Magic. Yeah. We've known about it and we've had it, but just opening up more doors would be extremely helpful. That was my long-winded layered answer. There's more to it, but I know we're on a time crunch. 
Baker and Brawler, y'all. <laughs> she is here. And so as we're closing up this interview, before we start our Q&A and welcoming the, the audience to go ahead and jump on the mic and join the interview, what is that one piece that you want to share about your journey that other people may not know about it, but I feel like it's important for them to know? Oh, gosh. There's, I have to just, one thing? Yeah. Well, I didn't understand what... Um, I guess generational wealth was and all that. And once I understood what it was, it made me even more driven. So someone like me, my roots, I actually come, I started my life off in foster care and that's part of my lived experience and that's why I'm so gritty. So I've only known how to take care of myself and make something out of nothing and work for what I need from the get. So I come from an underserved community. I come from an underserved background. This is all I know. So all the cute pink that you see everywhere and me wearing my cute outfit and looking great, behind all this is someone who started with absolutely nothing and had to work my way. And I used to not share that because I didn't want people feeling sorry for me, but I have to share it because I re realize I'm representation. And I also want people to understand why I'm so driven and gritty. They don't understand and I can't, they look at me and why are you so driven to make this work? Well, cause I have three sons and I want, when I'm no longer walking on this earth, I want them to have something besides memories of me to create generational wealth for years to come. And also it's just, I guess in my DNA yeah. <laughs> to be gritty. And you work with your son, your second son, I think. Yes, my middle well. son did graduate with a degree in finance. He did have to uh, graduate summa cum laude and go work somewhere else for a year before I would hire him. Yeah. So I didn't just hand him that job. <laughs> and yes, he is our director of finance. So it's, yeah. It's a family business. All right, everybody. But we're going to go ahead and introduce and bring on our first question from the audience. So go ahead and introduce yourself and then go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Maya. My name is Maisha. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, I loved your story. And I think it's really easy for people who are sitting in the audience to hear that story and think it came not easy because you just told us what it was, but that it that it came without you having some fear some doubts and I'm just wondering if you can share with us any secrets that you have for overcoming those fears so that you can keep persevering. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. We can do hard things, period. So you have to believe in yourself and trust your gut. I work at Maya's Cookies 365 for the past eight years. So I'm expert at what I'm doing. And it took me a little while to own that, that I'm the expert at Maya's Cookies. I still have a lot to learn, but I know better than anybody how to produce, how to whatever, the numbers, all those things. So I would say to answer your question, um, just trust your gut, believe in yourself. And yes, you can do hard things. There are going to be hard things. There have been crippling things. I like to use the analogy of it's a roller coaster, which I hate. Sometimes it's a Legoland roller coaster, which is easier to ride. Sometimes it's one of those Magic Mountain style roller coasters every day where there's bombs and problems and fear and you feel like you're going to throw up and just expect and expect it, expect those things to happen and persevere, surround yourself with mentors and people that know more than you that you can access. Your network is your net worth. Yes, your net worth is your net worth. Beautiful. I love that. Love that. I don't know why in my head. Has has anybody ever heard that song by L.O. Cool J, I'm Bad? 
Yeah. <laughs> so like I just read the whole time I'm up here, I redid a, a re re-edition of that. And you know, that's one line where you say eat Oreo Kuj cookies. So make sure y'all buy and eat Maya's <laughs> vegan black magic girl cookie. She's bad. Nice. <laughs> I'll take it. We have one more question here. All right, we have one more question. Hi, Maya. Forgive me if you've already touched on this because I came in late. I'm the executive director for Startup San Diego. Welcome, everyone. This is Lisa, everybody. Give, Give it up, Lisa. Applause. Uh, I was inspired when we spoke about how you source your ingredients. And this is someone who's walking the walk. And um, that's very meaningful to me. And if you've already touched on it, I have another question I can move to. I have not touched on that. Okay, great. So I, that's my favorite part. Well, there's all they're all, all they're all my favorite parts. <laughs> okay, thanks. So what she's referring to, and one of the pre questions I was sent is how to you how do you um, incorporate social like whatever social in, innovation social innovation really in your business? On. And here's how I do that at Maya's Cookies. I purposely try to source black brands for our ingredients. It ain't easy and it's expensive, but I source those ingredients when I can and I pay full price. I don't ask, I don't call them and order ingredients and automatically ask for a discount. I pay full price. And I do that because it's important for me as my platform grows, as I'm sitting here in front of an audience of people that I also lift those other brands up. So every year we have a black history collection and I try to make the black history cookies tell stories of history that uh, we weren't taught in school, and I know that sounds crazy, but let me just explain. So, for example, uh, it's always three cookies, and it's always a theme. I'm already done with 2024. I won't share. You guys have to wait. But last year's theme was the arts. So I created a cookie around Misty Copeland, and I used, it was a champagne sugar cookie, and I found a black-owned champagne company that I incorporated into that. And the reason why I made a cookie uh, champion Misty is because, you know, in the arts and ballet, Danskin's just now making tights that are brown, <laughs> you know, darker colors and shades. And that's important uh, because for people to know because it's 2023. There's, you know, it's, we come in all colors. So that, and also Misty Copeland is kind of the face of ballet, but there are others before her, including her mentor. So I wanted to share her mentor story, right? So people buy the cookie in the collection, they read the little blurb, and then it, maybe they go on Google and learn more. Uh, we also had a cookie that was based on a book cover, and it was, she's a New York Times bestseller, Brit, and she is from Oceanside, and I, wanted to highlight her story because when she was at Oceanside High, her parents said that she was accused of cheating on her SATs because they couldn't believe her essay was written by her. She's a black woman. And here she is, fast forward 20 years later, she's a New York Times bestseller, right? So there was that. And then we also had an Uncle Nearest cookie. And those of you that don't know Uncle Nearest, it's a person, Nearest Green. And he is the person that's behind Jack Daniels brand back in the 1800s. It was a black man that was making Jack My Daniels whiskey. whiskey. Yes, and it's the most awarded whiskey in America right now. So we made a whiskey cookie and we told the story of Uncle Nearest, Nearest Green, that it's a black man that's actually responsible for that brand, which is an iconic Americana whiskey brand. And his descendants resurrected his name and created a brand called Uncle Nearest. It's black owned, founded, and 
it's you know tells the story and people didn't know they say wow jack daniels was actually formulating created by a black person yes because those are black history things that you know we weren't taught or you just don't hear about so i use the cookies sorry for this long answer everybody no i love it i love it you you spring it's it you, 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 you know you're gonna get right now <laughs> but i i'm using my platform as a baker and the cookies to source ingredients for these cookies from black brands and also tell black stories because when people buy cookies it's usually celebratory and they're in a good mood and when else to capture someone's attention when they're in a good mood celebratory and eating a cookie and we have marketing materials in there that, that tell the story and on top of that i was always the young person that was on the receiving end of you know, donations, or when I went to Catholic school, I had to get my uniform out of the lost and found bin. And I always dreamt of being on the other side where I'm the person helping the underserved and not always receiving. So for that reason, we always donate a portion of the collection to a small local or national uh, underserved nonprofit. Underserved, I don't, well, a nonprofit that services the underserved. And this year it was Detour Fancy, which is a organization here in San Diego. And we also worked with um, Black Girls Code. So let me tell you, I just came from an event, the San Diego Black Chamber of Commerce, and they was giving away, guess who? Maya's cookies. cookies. <laughs> so she donated a whole bunch of cookies to give away at that event. So thank you. Yeah, um, thank you. Another thing I want to add to the Uncle Nearest story, because that like everything, well, everything you said sits near dear into my heart. But let's talk about Black Girl Magic. The reason why Uncle Nearest story came to life again, because a, a Black woman brought it back to life, found the next of kin to say, hey, yep. this, this guy taught jack daniels how to make whiskey and a couple other people in that tro that prohibition time and then mm -hmm. like let's see if we could bring this brand back and yep. so give it up for black girl magic y'all thank you maya for joining the you. podcast thank you feel free go ahead and follow maya where can everybody find you online you can find us at mayascookies.com we ship nationwide those of you that own companies we have a very robust corporate concierge cookie program where we can customize orders for you and print the details and we also on social media maya's cookies san diego is our instagram we have TikTok and facebook for those of you that are on the facebook what else i think that's all of it so everything, thank you. Everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Maya. Give, a hand right, give it Maya. up for Maya. And, and let me tell you, I've had the cookies. They don't taste like vegan cookies, y'all. And I'm a cookie either. I love. I'm called Cookie Monster in my house because I will devour some cookies. I was like, "You sure these vegan? I don't know if these vegan cookies. These taste like real cookies." 100%. All right. And we're gonna bring on our next founder now. His name is On Fam. He is the founder of Earth Fan Surf Co. I saw him. He he's right there. He's walking up. He is also a student, a part of the Rec Innovation Lab, led by Tanya Hertz, the one and only. I see you, Tanya. She's out there. Give it up for to Rec Innovation Lab over at Miramar. We're just going to be the cheerleaders for everybody in the community right now. So if you want to feel special about yourself, just stop by. Come over here. We'll probably shout I, you oh, out. Oh, they got props, oh, too. They got, they got props. On. Come okay, on. All right. Props to y'all. Okay. Bring it up. Go ahead. Bring there's up, there's some up. stairs right I'll, here. I'll hold the props. Come on. Welcoming on to the stage, everybody. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> 
All right, on. it's an honor to have you on the stage. As you know, this is about to be interesting, everybody. Look at how beautiful this board is. But on, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about what you do at Earth Fan Surf Co. Oh, oh, they, there it we is. We got to make sure we got it right, that Earth Fam. I got even the Earth Fam <laughs> signature right here. So, all right, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, aloha, everybody. My name is uh, On Fam, and I am the uh, founder of a green and sustainable surfboard company called Earth Fan Surf. And um, our mission is to help reduce ocean pollution caused by cheap polystyrene foam bodyboards that's littering our uh, uh, beaches, oceans, waterways, even the Great Pacific uh, garbage patch you'll find these in. Um, Bobby, raise, it, raise it up a little bit. We want to hear ya. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, polystyrene is actually the second most abundant pollutant that we have on the earth today. Um, and most people don't think anything twice about the, the boogie or your soft top surfboard or the bodyboard. Um, so to fight that, I create um, natural bodyboards that come from cultures from around the world, Africa, Hawaii, uh, Japan, Peru, Australia, um, France, in ancient times, um, we all surfed on wood. And why? It's because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's beautiful. I love this. I would hang this in my house. I'm, for those who don't know, I'm off a costume. I'm half Samoan. And so uh, this is something that my family would take advantage of. Um, but I want to talk about you and who you were before Earth Fan. So let's share a little bit about you and your surfing background. What just really inspired you to take that leap? Okay, yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm Vietnamese. I was born in 1974 in Saigon um, during the war. And I came over here, landed in New York and then San Diego, and I never left. Uh, caught my first wave on a a boogie board, of course, like the rest of the world. Um, and I just started surfing after that. Uh, grew up in Del Mar, surfing Del Mar Beach. Um, really started getting into com competing and stuff like that. Wasn't really my thing, just stay connected to the ocean however I could, no matter what board it was, a long board, short board, stand-up paddle. Um, and so all my years of surfing, like 40 years, I also create these giant geoglyphs in the sand, like these 300 foot sand art murals. Um, I'd love to share with you guys someday. But uh, I use a rake to clean up our oceans uh, of plastic, uh, the beaches of plastic and foam, and um, leave behind art. And so during COVID, it snapped in my head. I remember seeing a guy in deep into Baja when we're camping, he was surfing on a little piece of wood and it's the fastest I've ever seen anybody go on a wave in my life. And it's like, so I started doing research with my um, Hawaiian friends, my Samoan friends in Hawaii. And they, you know, they call Paipo. Paipo is the Hawaiian word for sliding on your belly head first and laughing your butt off because it's just, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, honestly. Yeah. So uh, you can find uh, natives in Africa, Papua New Guinea. Um, all over the world, like uh, the endless summer, um, the endless summer movie. They even claim that Westerners in, um, introduced surfing to these native kids, when in fact, uh, in Hawaii, even California coast here, the Kumeyaay coast, they've been riding away for 10, 15, 20,000 years. And since the last 50, 60 years, we have a 
giant pollution problem. All the boogie boards that are discarded every year can fill the Giza pyramid. And this I found at La Jolla Shores. What happens is uh, the kids jump out and break them and they just leave them on the beach. And if we're lucky, they find their way into a landfill. But most of the time, since they're made in China, shipped over here, use them for two days and they ship them back to Malaysia, our trash. It's a huge footprint on, um, on our environment, yeah. Yeah, when did you um, first knew that you had to create a solution around this? And what was that process like of um, coming up with this solution and then making it a, a viable business? I know you, 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 you entered the wreck. I know that wreck story entered somewhere in there, but give us that, that whole process. And I know you're an artist as well. And so it's something, it didn't just stop at creating a board that was functional and sustainable, but you also included something that you're very good at, obviously, if you can see this. So go ahead and talk, touch on that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a artist by trade. And, um, once I married the two into my boards, I realized my mentor actually pointed this out that it's functional art. Like you could ride, um, you'll probably think twice about just leaving this on the beach as you would. This It's like, also these will last forever. Like, uh, um, and so my idea, how it came about was just seeing these discarded on the beaches and I do not necessarily beach cleanups, but I see them. I go collect them um, along with canopies and broken beach chairs you'll find and styrofoam uh, coolers. So last year, the island of Maui just passed a law that bans all selling, renting, or distribution of any polystyrene boards anywhere on the island. Oahu is going to follow with the big island and all the islands. So pretty soon you can't buy a a cheap polystyrene boogie board or body board anywhere, um, which allows kind of going into the business is we can also fill that void of people not being able to have fun, but we do it in an eco way. And since these are Hawaiian technology, tried and true from thousands of years, I feel like the pipos go, can go home back to its, its, uh, its original home place. Yes, and there's so much we can dive into with on story, and but today's focus is really on that social innovation. And so you may already know that we're talking about sustainability from land to sea, of course. But there's so much more that you're doing as well. And so when I was, I just got back from the island of Samoa uh, two days ago, and what I noticed about being on the island is that there's two things that I noticed. For one, there was a time when I ran into a group of children in the village, and there it's really hard to get a soccer ball, for example, and these children were playing soccer football with a plastic Fanta soda water soda bottle, kicking it around the field, hitting it into the goal, just like anything. It's a very like level of resourcefulness. I feel like I see in you is like, you just make do with what you can. But another thing I noticed as well, which ties into what you have been focusing on is the amount of stray animals that are left on an Island. Of course, there's only so much you can do. They're stuck on the Island. They're not being spayed. They, and they are left malnourished. They are out on the streets, they have diseases, and the, there's really a minimal choice given because the residents of the island are already focused on so much with just sustaining their own lifestyles. So I would love for you to share about addressing all these issues that you're passionate about, but also tying it into your business as well. Okay, yeah. Um, the the Pipo painting project that I do with, um, I'm also an art teacher as, as well as an entrepreneur at the elementary schools. Um, 
at La Jolla and Bird Rock and Kate Sessions, and I cut boards for them to paint on and learn about the negative environmental impacts that boogie boards have, but also the history of surfing and try to give them that education, but also they auction the boards and um, raise money for the schools, everybody wins. And so I feel like cutting the nub at the bib, or what is it called? Well, cutting the problem in the, you know. Giving the problem in the butt? Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nipping in the bud. Nipping in the bud. There you go. Nipping it in the bud with the the foam. I also um, am closely working with uh, a longtime nonprofit called Surfers for Strays, and it's a group of surfers down in Mexico that have surfing in their hearts, but also the um, the animal population. And it just doesn't start uh, stop with like collecting an animal, he healing its broken jaw or foot. Um, they do a huge sterilization program, which um, parts of our proceeds from the boards are going directly to them. And that way we nip, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. And um, so this, the same way I can kind of see the, the tie between those two and however we can help the suffering of all of us, you know. I love how you, not just the art element, but I love how you integrate culture into there too um and and really this telling the story of the the different cultures that make up you um and the island to help move the generations forward to see why is this important and what what really helps move sustainability forward so that we can have a a really holistic ecosystem was that intentional when you, when, when you did that not at first, but I saw the way to integrate all of these cool aspects and use the boards as a vehicle to surf into this wave of uh, goodness for our community, business or not. But just um, I also like last week was the Walter Monk Foundation Ocean Day, and I set up a booth where children can come and shape their own wood boards. And um, one kid stayed there for like almost 45 minutes sanding. And I just said, keep, keep it, it's yours. You sanded the whole thing. And so in my head, as a businessman, he's probably not going to buy foam boards anymore. If he doesn't buy from our company, he's going to grow up um, making his own boards, teaching his kids about it, and uh, nipping him in the bud. Nipping nip in the bud. <laughs> that, that's going to be our new saying right now. Nipping in the bud. <laughs> yeah, and our pollution also as a manufacturer um, as a manufacturer, we can't just blame the, the people who buy these and throw them on the beach. We have to look at ourselves as like, what am I giving to these people um, for a profit just so they can break them and buy more? Um, so that that's also an aspect of it. Yeah. Nip o ocean pollution in the bud. One board at a time, y'all. Yes, and we're going to be closing up this interview, but before we do, we invite audience members to go ahead and jump on the mic and join the interviewing process, ask him a question. But something I would love to hear before that is that what is something as a, a business owner that you're just really proud of yourself for doing or the choice you've made that you're like, this is something that I didn't know I was able to accomplish, but if other people were able to hear that I accomplished it, maybe they would be inspired to attack the problems that they're thinking about too. What's that? Do you have a moment that sticks out to you in that way? Uh, that moment is now because I, <laughs> as you know, I'm in um, 
the Regional Entrepreneurship Center at Miramar College. And um, in there, there's... <laughs> Go Rec Innovation Lab. Rec yeah. Innovation Lab. <laughs> yeah, the Rec Lab. And uh, with my professor, Tanya Hertz, and uh, Angela Merkins, and Crystal Burns, all of my mentors and stuff. I actually went into Miramar just to... I'm, I turned 50 this year, so I was like, let me go take a community college class. I don't know. <laughs> uh, marketing, maybe. And then I found out this rec thing, and they're like, no, they'll help you incubate your business. I'm like, I have a business that I have no idea how to do. And the, it, the milestone of probably my life is going there, yeah. structuring my thoughts into products that are good for the earth. And um, it's only my second semester, and already we have... Uh, one of my mentors is the co-founder of Volcom, wow. along with his salespeople, trying to help me. How do we brand this? How do we get this out there? How can this be the coolest thing since Volcom? You know, and um, they're so supportive of my professors, teachers, mentors, attorneys from Score and uh, Miss Rose Bolas. It's just I, I can't believe that something like this exists. Yeah. And with that, I want to I know there's nobody. Everybody's being shy about asking questions because I'm going to invite the the founder and the, the person running the rec to tell us a little bit about the rec. Because not everybody knows. So if you want to come up to the mic over there up, and then tell us a little bit about the rec. OK, OK. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you for uh, inviting me to speak. So my name is Tanya Hertz. I'm the director of the Rec Innovation Lab. It is an incubator on a college campus, uh, a community college campus, which makes it makes it different than a lot of other incubators, because normally incubators stay in business by taking equity, by charging money. And um, we found a way to be able to offer some of the same support that you would get at a traditional incubator, but we don't take any equity, we don't charge any money. Uh, we do it through the community colleges as a class. And um, we try to do everything we can to help the founders succeed. We, uh, we put them in contact with the best mentors that we can uh, possibly find. We actually, just this last week, we're filming videos, so we help them to film videos, to do commercials, uh, and, and then teach everything that, uh, that we think that will help you to succeed as an entrepreneur. And and I wish that it existed when I was back in college. Um, and and so it's one of those things that that I, I like, why didn't this exist before? So I'm, I'm just glad that uh, everyone else can take advantage of it. So um, yeah, reach out to me if you have a startup and you um, you need some help, because that's what we do. <laughs> Get up for the Rec Innovation Lab. Tanya. I wish they had that when I was in school, too. I would have been in there all the time asking for help and questions and what's a VC and how do I get some money and what, what's a business plan, what's a lean startup, all that good stuff that they teach. And they really do a good job at parent mentors. So with that being said, you want to close it out? I'll just say, Tanya was a professor of mine back when I was in school, not not too long ago, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but at San Diego State University and just working with her has been amazing. And so it's amazing to me, other students have been impacted by the people in our community. So the, these are all resources that if you didn't know before, you know now. So thank you so much, On, for joining right. us on the wait, pod. Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Where can people find you and connect with you? Yes. Uh, you can go to earthfansurf.com. And um, on there, we can connect that way. You can see um, I have 15 classic shapes uh, from Japan and Hawaii that you can purchase for yourself. Uh, just 
just to reap the benefits of being in the ocean, bored or not, just going in the ocean. But um, there's 15 designs there at earthfansurf.com. And yeah, I look forward to uh, talking with you guys more. <laughs> Give it up for Earth Fam, everybody. Give it up. Woo! All right. I, wait, I don't get to keep this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really wanted it now. <laughs> Is there anybody out there that wants to be a small part of you this podcast? You know what? I think I'm going to invite somebody to the stage while we make for Greenish Vibes. Come on up to the stage. Come on up to the stage, Greenish Vibes. Everybody give it up for Greenish Vibes. Yes. Come on up. She didn't know she was going to do this today. That's what we're all about. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the pod. Thanks so much. Hi, guys. All right. So you've been on my podcast, but allow me to introduce my lovely person that came on the stage last minute didn't know she was going to be here of greenish vibes the founder and, and owner of greenish vibes tell the people for those who don't know who you are who you are and what your company does sure hi everybody my name is danica i'm the founder at greenish brands uh we help people manage pain anxiety stress and other ailments by curating herbal wellness products intentionally from black and women-owned brands and on the event side, excuse me, uh, we create community uh, by hosting events, but in brunches. Uh, we just had a greenish movie night. We host cannabis plus yoga at Liberty Station uh, Market. And when I say cannabis, we don't sell THC. We are talking about all the other cannabinoids um, that don't get you high, but are medicinal. So that's what we and, do. And I didn't know there were so many, y'all. Like, that, there's, there's ointments you could put on your elbows that just make you feel, your elbows feel like less pain where you don't have to take all these uh, aspirin and all this other stuff. So it was a, a new experience for me. So tell me, how did you get into this space? Like, what, what, like what made you really get into this space and start this, this company? Um, so being a centri- serial entrepreneur, like, really, it was just, to how do I get into this burgeoning industry? Like, how do I get into cannabis? What I found was that it was very difficult. You have to have uh, millions in uh, equity to apply for licenses, you know, and I'm from Chicago. So even as things become legal across the county or across the country, it's still very difficult to get into the industry. So I was looking for a low barrier way and that was CBD and accessories. And along the way it's really become, how do we educate? Uh, how do we want to break the stigma? Our mission is to be a catalyst to the world's normalization of cannabis. And so it's really become uh, how we're healing people, how we're having those conversations. And um, it's really about the wellness now. So, And I think it's like going back, it's like not every day that a child in elementary school is like, I'm going to own a cannabis company one day. <laughs> so I would just love to you go back even further. It's like, what was that that led up to these decisions? Like, who were you before your company? Who was I? What was my first life, as I like to say? (laughs) Uh, So I have a a bachelor's in finance and economics. I was in corporate America. Um, I worked for J.P. Morgan and got laid off right before the crisis. Right before that, though, I had gotten my real estate license. So I've actually been a real estate entrepreneur and um, have opened up a juice bar, um, have bought, helped people uh, buy into real estate, really educating on how to take advantage and use real estate um, as generational wealth and, you know, all having that conversation. So that's what I was doing before then. I moved here six years ago from Chicago. 
I had never visited, didn't know a single person. And um, while I thought that it was going to be real estate, it kind of has led into this cannabis, uh, cannabis life, you know. <laughs> Really, truly a life before. You've had so many hats beforehand. But something I'm a big believer in is that every experience that we live through, regardless, may not seem like it ties into each other, but it kind of does in some way. You may not know exactly what it is or what it, plan for it to be that way, but it somehow shows up later on. And so is there something that you've identified that you've taken away from your past life and brought it into your new life? Um, I think the thing that I've used most is like being in corporate America, the systems, the SOPs, the processes, like I started very early documenting what I'm doing, you know, that's why we're, um, you know, we're now greenish brands because there are so many different kind of companies and, um, departments that kind of fall under the company. So I think I've definitely taken that corporate viewpoint, um, and, operations and efficiency um you know maximizing that mm -hmm. yeah and you know being that we were talking about sustainability right there's an interesting story with you around sustainability not only just working with the community but even connecting with folks back on the motherland my motherland i like to call which is africa tell us that story like how did you start connecting um sustainability into your business by working with partners from Africa? Um, so my best friend, she's Nigerian American, and uh, it was her relationship to Africa as a continent and the traditional communities that led to us being gifted land. And by the time I had started Greenish, she was trying to figure out how, how and what to do with the land. And so as cannabis is becoming legal in other countries, South Africa, uh, is one of those countries. And so that's how we started to have that conversation. Like we can use this land to produce industrial hemp, not even talking about cannabis, um, and kind of explore all those uses, women's health in uh, building, clothing, you know, and really explore all of that as well as leading with workforce development in the country. So, um, you know, it's a lot. I that you know it's a that's why i know that it's just a larger brand than just me so building those you know the team and the systems has been super fun and necessary yeah i don't want you to gloss over that that's a big deal y'all like workforce development in africa to build programs off of the land for those people there right and for those who don't know hemp hemp was one of the biggest things that was used in the u.s back in the, I want to say 80s and World War One. that's all our military and so forth used. And hemp also has the ability to refertilize soil so that if you're cropping, you put hemp, it refertilizes the soil, and then you put new crop to of where, like you may have had plants that really take all the nutrients out the soil. So that is a big deal. Clap it up for that. Clap it up for that. Go hemp. And on, on surfboards are actually, they're used hemp seed oil, correct? To, it shows up in sustainable wood. wood. Hemp seed oil and sustainable wood, okay. It, it shows up in aspects of like your life that you would never even imagine. Look, it's, you might have another business partner here. Where, where's our, where's our surfboard guy? This is another business, look, connections. That's all <laughs> connections in San Diego startup weekend. Yeah, 
Yeah, we actually, um, I was a student at the Rec Innovation Lab, so I... Give it up for the Rec Innovation Lab! <laughs> and I'm still very connected. I have to get back in. But uh, yeah, he's uh, a current student, and I definitely plan on connecting. I love his boards and the work that he's doing, for sure. Amazing. Amazing. And you also touched on the fact of building a community around your business. And so I would love to talk about that deeper is like, really, what does that mean to you? Because of course, I feel like community has become a really buzz, a buzzword in most um, businesses, but there is a huge reason as to why. And so what does that sense of community mean when it comes to your business? Um, you know, so being from Chicago, I think uh, community loyalty, the togetherness is already like built in you know, for speaking as a black woman. Um, and so coming here six years ago, I really had to create my own community. And especially in the cannabis space, creating that community means being making these products accessible, like breaking it down to them, having these type of one-on-one -on -one conversations um, so that they can learn how learn about mm -hmm. the products, have resources um, to one enter the industry. Like I said, we intentionally are curating from those Black and women-owned brands. So you know, bringing them along with us as we grow—that's super important. Um, yeah. It's like no longer selling an idea. It's like in educating people on the idea that yeah. you're focusing on. It doesn't, it makes the process a lot easier later on. It sounds like to me. It definitely make the process a lot easier later on. But we were just talking about like the process of building a grassroots business is like very slow and it's like one by one, but it's very rewarding. And I, for the last three years, it's like, okay, we're doing this. And I finally feel like, you know, it's about to be a world, you know, where we've kind of at the break-even point almost. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I, I really love the step-by-step -step process. Something that I often, when I meet founders and I have these wonderful interviews and have these intellectual conversations to see what their journey was like, I, I've learned along the way that, you know, we always start off with this goal as entrepreneurs and innovators, right? But the real the real opportunity comes is when we fall in love with the process, because if you don't get married to the outcome, you can see this ideal and, sh and this business shift and change into something beautiful that the world needs. So I say don't fall in love with the process. And you guys are in the process of creating something beautiful every time you step into your businesses to go out there and show the world what could be done. So thank you for sharing your journey. And I'd like Thank to open you. up questions and I'll let you finish your thought. But if you want to ask a question, feel free to jump onto the mic and we want you to join in on the interview process. But feel free to continue on that. On community? Yes. Where did I, I think I left off there. Um, you know, so we host events like, um, like I said, we do every Sunday, we do our herbal wellness market um, at Liberty Station. So how can you... Uh, how can these products help in your movement? We have a partnership with Stretch Labs every last Saturday of the month. So again, herbal movement, you're taking our tincture or your oil uh, before your stretches. And, you know, that's like a normal thing. That's a, that's a wellness type of activity. That's something that you're already doing. And so how can you go further with your goals with our products? And that's the kind of conversation we're having. Yes. And so please share. How can people connect with you online? How can they attend your events? Definitely. Everything. Definitely. So uh, greenishbrands.com is our website. You can definitely find out about all of the events happening. Follow us on Instagram at getgreenishbrands. Um, yeah. Greenishbrands.com everywhere. Give it up for Greenish Greenish Brands. Thank you so much.
time. Anytime. She didn't know I was going to do that. She did that on a whim. We she did, did not that plan on that. point. We got a few more minutes. All right, guys. So you in the crowd, we want to get to know you. Yes. You want to come join? You want to come on the mic? Come on up. Come, come on, on up. Up. Give, give her a round of applause. Welcome. Go ahead and share your name and what you're working on. Try my best, guys. <laughs> God bless you for having the confidence and just taking that initiative, jumping on the mic. I mean, we want to create that opportunity Lay. as much as we can. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm Uma. Um, I'm founder of VR Aina, and my partner in crime is sitting right there. That's Paula. Hey, partner. Uh, we parents, you know, we have our kids are like best friends since they were four months old. Oh. So we're trying to build a platform for new parents. You know, we've been there. And we're trying to build a community-based platform, that's what we're all talking about, um, to kind of facilitate asking for help and how to provide that help. So we don't have these conversations, uh, and we are trying to provide the communication tools that they need to kind of help each other out. So we're building an app for that, and you know, that's yeah. where we're headed. We'll talk a little bit more about your guys' background. Like, how did you meet? What sparked this idea? What was that problem that you're like, this is just too much of an issue for us not to dedicate our lives and our work to it? Yeah, I mean, living in, um, you know, this world right now, we're all busy. Um, and then, you know, when we were parents, uh, we didn't know how to reach out for help. Um, right. We had um, different ways that we could cope with our with our partners and stuff, but we don't know how to ask for help. Um, say if I had my baby at 2 a.m. In the, in the night and they're crying and I don't know how to, um, you know, help myself and my partner doesn't know how to help me. But we get through the night, we wake up in the morning and we're tired when we still go through our day. But what we want to provide is a place where we can say, hey, this happened to me. And as a community member within our platform, how I can support you. It could be just a hug you know, from your best friend, or it could be a coffee from your coworker, or it could be just a message saying that, hey, I'm there for you. So that was our goal, and that's what we supported each other doing and built our community doing. And we wanted to make sure that it was available for everybody and make sure we do it the right way and give each other grace uh, to help each other out. Man, I love that. So like when you started mentioning that, I was like, I started to think about my time as a, a new parent. And when you go through that whole process, you know, some people might have their parents that they can come help them out for a little bit. But when their parents go, you're like, okay, what am I doing? How do I do this? There's no handbook to being the parent. And you're like, oh, okay, let me Google. And sometimes if you Google, you go too far down the, the Google and you're like, oh my gosh, maybe I need to go to the hospital, right? <laughs> I, I, I wish I had an app like this. Like, I think this is genius, but like, tell me when you knew, you, you, you all knew that, this was something that needed to be created. Like, what was the aha moment? Like, were you guys sitting at the kitchen table and like giving each other feedback? And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I wish there was a community for, so like, do you know? I don't know, who can we call? Like, yeah. how did this idea come to be? Yeah, I mean, um, it was all to do with our kids, obviously. And then we were, I was building this up from about a year and a half um, and just trying to figure out. And one day I was sitting in Startup San Diego last year and we had this idea going on for a while and then I just sat there and then I was thinking, hey, like, 
the community is the most important part. It was actually in one of the conferences. And then the next day, I called Paula saying, hey, you know, we've had this idea for a while and like, let's do this. That's when we started our company. That's when we, you know, uh, started building the idea and like the app and how it's supposed to be. And we uh, started talking to some marketing people and stuff like that. So, you know, it was definitely like an aha moment in Startup San Diego. Yeah. yeah, it started at Startup San Diego last yeah, year. Yeah, last year. What? Yeah, as I said, I was sitting right there in the audience and I was thinking about the idea we had. And then suddenly I was like, I was listening to somebody talking about marketing and how you need to, you know, um, structure your idea and the way you want to do it. And then, you know, shout that's out to when... Startup San Diego, sparking <laughs> innovation and ideas and businesses all at the same time. Congrats right here. <laughs> If you got an idea, you need to start here. Um, <laughs> Just come to the session. Yeah. Yes. And so what are you looking for right now? You are building this company. You're building this app. Like, what is it right now? If you could just ask somebody in the community, what is that thing that you need help with right now? I mean, funds are always, you know, up for grabs. <laughs> VCs, but... <laughs> if you're in here, funds are important. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, we are building a social media. So follow us on VRINA, support us, follow us, you know, share it with other parents who need the help. And we want them to be part of a community so we can, you know, uh, push our product and reach the right people. Um, and also, like, we are going to run a subscription model, but whatever money we raise from it, we plan to uh, use it for the underserved community and parents that, you know, we can support. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for having the confidence and jumping on the stage and Thank really just taking that opportunity. Everybody give her applause, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, we're wrapping up today's podcast. That's now. it. It's time to say goodbye to all my family. <laughs> T-I-G, double, no, sorry. <laughs> Oh, we're going to the open mic I, session. I was trying now. to think of a rhyme that goes with that, but, you know, as you can see, I was going too far down. Tony's the rapper back yeah, there. Yeah, Tony's the rapper, the our, our engineer. <laughs> but we want to thank you all for coming out um, and just those who are brave enough to jump on stage and shout out their businesses. We will put this out um, this on... Week, on Sunday. On Sunday. Yes. This week, we'll get this out and we'll try to tag all the companies. If you want to follow Baddie Means Business and Rise Urban Nation, there's a QR code for both of these. And we would love to hear more. So we also do... We both do interviews. Yes. Where we interview um, innovators like yourself. So it doesn't have to be live like this. We could... Go to a studio, record your story, market it and package it up so that we can share it out there with the world so the world knows what you're, you are doing. So please feel free to connect with us. Anything yeah. else you want to say to the people? I'll just say it's like the best storytellers win. And sometimes people just don't got the opportunity to share that story. And so we are here as conduits to create that opportunity for you all. So we thank you for those who have been here this entire time listening. We appreciate every single one of you and everybody in the back who's been listening, everybody at all. Tanya, are you raising your hand? Okay, come to the mic and ask the question so all the people can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I, I know exactly where to find your podcast so yes. that I can follow it and I know when uh, new ones are coming up. So mm -hmm. should I uh, Spotify? Should I? Where do I go? Where do I go? YouTube, Spotify. 
Apple, Google, Instagram, LinkedIn. Everywhere. You're you literally name okay, it. Just, Everywhere just, you listen to podcasts, our podcasts are available. Okay, so under Baddies Mean Business, Rives Urban Nation. Baddies Mean Business. This will be under Baddies Mean Business Podcast. And this will be on YouTube. Go ahead and give me a follow, Riley Jennings, R-Y-L-I-E. And I'll Got be pu pu publishing when it's launched. So then you'll know exactly where to get it. But also Terrell Simmons here. He's going to be tagged in all the photos. Yes. Yeah. And I'll post it on my, my platform as well. So we'll both post it on our platform. I'll follow you everywhere then. I'll follow you everywhere. Okay, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. We're going to close it out. Thank you, Startup San Diego, once again, for sponsoring and being a partner in this opportunity. Thank you to Greg, who's a videographer in the background. Thank you, Tony, over here, check, making sure Thank we sound okay. Thank you, sound engineers and videographer. Give it up for a round of applause. <laughs> Hey, Taste of Village, and also thank you to Village of founder Julius Alejandro for always inspiring us to continue in jumping onto this stage. So we're going to check out here now. Any last thoughts from you? Uh, that's it. Keep creating innovative things that help shape the world. Thank you, and good night. Good night.